0: I've been instructed to make uh, a lot of eye contact with the camera, and I'm almost positive I'll forget that in about two minutes. So uh, for those of you watching us online, remember that the real pastor will be back next week, and uh, you'll get a much better view of what's going on here. But uh, welcome, welcome, everybody. It's so good to be here. It's so good to gather, and uh, what a turnout. I mean, it's amazing how people long for fellowship. You know, we can put masks on, And we can avoid each other by six feet, but it's hard because as the body of Christ, we like to get together and we like fellowship. So thank you uh, for coming out today. And uh, it's a privilege for me to be here. Pastor's on vacation and he invited me to share a message here. And uh, I've been so inspired already by BC and our friend here. I don't know you, sir, but thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I I can see we have very capable uh, people here to share the word of the Lord with us. And I hope today that I can impart some nugget of truth or something that God could use to help us in our walk with him. Um, Next Saturday, uh, I'll be leaving town. My wife and I and some friends, about 50 of us, I think, are going out to Sturgis, South Dakota. It's an annual thing we do during bike week out there. And uh, we wash motorcycles for free. It's been going on for 24 years. Our friend Michael started it. And uh, now we give them food, they get brats, ice cream, hand massage, neck massage, boots shine, my wife and I do leather repair, and then they wash their motorcycles and take professional pictures of them on their motorcycles. We say we're washing idols, that's what we do when we go out there. We wash their idols, and uh, we pray for them, and we share the Lord with them. And last year, I think there were somewhere over 100 people gave their life to Christ, And uh, we have water baptisms there, too. We have a baptismal tank in the church that we stay at while we're out there. Um, This year, it's a little bit different because we're not going out on a bus together. Because of COVID, we're trying to be respectful for people that are, you know, however you feel about it. And so we're all driving ourselves out there. And the Wesleyan church that has given us their church for all these years and their parking lot to use, they voted 100% to have us come again this year. So that was really nice of him to allow us to come. Um, I did check, yeah, thank the Lord for that. Uh, You know, South Dakota has been wide open uh, through this whole thing. And I checked the stats, I like to look at the stats and see where the COVID is at, you know, and where it's not. And in Sturgis, since it began earlier this year, there's been two cases of COVID out there. So it's probably the safest place in America to go right now. But I know we're going to have a lot of visitors. They come from all over the world and all over the country. They come there on their motorcycles to, uh, to party in Sturgis. And, uh, you know, the, the devil gathers them all together, and then we go in there and try to lead them to Christ. So that's what's happening out there. But, but it's a wonderful experience, and it's not too late to go. If you want to go, the only difference this year is, is you have to get out there by yourself, drive yourself out there. But don't just show up. If you want to go, let me know today, and we'll make sure to let the leadership know. You gotta and you got to be 21. That's another change this year because you're going on your own. So we've enjoyed teenagers for many years, and this year it's all a bunch of older people. So uh, anyway, if you want to come, come join us. The reason I, I got involved with it, and I'll be honest with you, was not because I'm this on-fire evangelist that must go out and win the world, it was exactly the opposite. It's because I wasn't feeling a passion for the lost. I had no burden. I felt dry as last year's bird's nest, and I felt I needed to do something to spark it in my life. And by going out there, it, it's life-changing, and it's amazing. And, you know, bikers, they can look a little uh, rough on the outside, but trust me, there's a, there's a soft, tender inner part there. <laughs> and uh, the Lord loves bikers, and he loves touching them, and it's just been an incredible incredible ministry what he does out there some of you you were here last year you heard the testimonies of what happened and we're looking for intercessors again this year um so if you want to become part of the intercessory team you can send uh me an email and or lee an email would be better she actually is more in touch with the emails than i am and uh we will give you daily updates of what's happening out there, prayer requests, and also praise reports from the blacktop of what's happening out there. But it's an incredible ministry, and I'm just I'm glad to just be a part of it. We have a couple friends here today that are going to be joining us out there, so uh, it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. One other thing I wanted to mention before I start the message is that there's a new uh, documentary out on uh, Amazon Prime. It's called "Walk with Me When War Comes to Your Door." And it's the story about our very own uh, Seda, the young lady from South Sudan who has been, an, has been orphaned and living in Uganda in a children's home. And it's about their escape from the civil war in South Sudan and how they got out of there. And you know, Seda is living with us now and we're hoping that uh, we've applied for asylum and we're hoping that uh, it's gonna be a permanent thing. Uh, but by God's will and God's grace, we hope that happens. Um, she's at a wedding today in Wisconsin, so she couldn't be here with us. But uh, it's the story of the children's home and the 150-some people and how they got out of, out of there. It's a documentary. It's, it'll move you. I've only watched, there's four episodes. I've only watched the first three, and they are so powerful. You almost have to take a break after you watch one to, to, you know, to process all of it. So anyway, it's called Walk With Me. It's on Amazon Prime. And uh, Carol, Carolyn Figlioli is the woman that went over there by the call of God. And she's live on there. It's a, you'll see her and listen to her, and you'll be touched um, by God through her and what she had to go through and what they're still going through over there. So praise God. And look for Mallory, you know, Mallory Smith, who attends here. Mallory's the one that met Sita over there and brought her back. So Mallory and Sada are there in the video, so we, we look for them when we're, when we're watching it. So anyway, thank you, Jesus. Well, hallelujah. How many of you are excited, expecting for God to do something today? Amen. amen, amen. Expectation is an awesome thing. When we gather together in his name, we expect that he's gonna do something, and I'm believing God is gonna do something here today. We've been learning a few things lately just in our personal life about the Holy Spirit, putting an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit to work in us and to work through us. We've been doing this in our our young adult group, in our home, in our personal lives, and here on Wednesday nights. And what's happening is, guess what? When we invite the Holy Spirit to do things... He does things. It's an amazing thing. When we invite him into our situations, he moves in our lives. And he moves in very personal ways sometimes. He's guiding and directing us. When we don't even think about it in the everyday affairs of our life, he is there. And what we're praying and hoping for is an awareness that we would all gain as a church that he is doing that, and we recognize what God is doing. If you are looking for God, you will see him. The Christians look for God in what he's doing in their life. Other people, you know, when good things happen in other people's lives, they just say, boy, I was really lucky. You know, I was so lucky this happened to me. But for the Christian, we don't believe in any of that. We believe that God is directing, and when it happens, it was a divine direction by God to get us somewhere, or bring someone into our life, or do something for us. We see him in everything in our life, and it's a blessing. When, when something good happens in our lives, I always think of the unbelievers. I think, who do they thank? Who do they thank when things are going good in their life? We have someone to thank because we know where it's coming from. It's coming from God himself through the power and the presence of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, not just an energy or a a source. He's a real person. He's alive and active in our lives today. Another thing we've been learning a lot uh, in our personal lives that I want to share with you is is what it means to be free as a Christian, to come into true freedom as a Christian. Everybody in the world is looking for freedom. I am a child of the 60s, and we were trying to find freedom in all the wrong places. And we thought, if I could only do this, or do this, or smoke this, or do that, I would be free to live any way I wanted. And what we found out now since getting born again is that freedom comes only... When we begin to want what God commands of us, and when we want that so much, we find true freedom. The freedom is in following Jesus. It's in following the Lord, following his ways and his commands. That's where it comes from. There's something about getting this new appetite once we get born again, where we get hungry for God. We get hungry for the things of God. And have you been at that place where you are so hungry for God to do something? You feel, maybe you feel dry. That's the perfect place for God to revive you. When you acknowledge, I'm dry, Lord, I'm dry right now, God is saying, yes, I I can help. I can fill you up. I can pour living water into you. It's no problem. And so that's good when we come to those places. That's God just signaling us to get an appetite again for the things of God. We don't care for the things of the world anymore. We've turned our back on that. We have an appetite now for eternal things, for things that are gonna last forever, for a family that's gonna last eternally. That's what we're excited about. It goes on and on forever. I'm sure all of us here have lost some loved ones in the faith, you know, a brother, sister, a child, in the Lord, we lost them, but we know they're safe and we know we're gonna see them again. We haven't lost them forever, we're just missing them right now and we're gonna see them again. So our appetites aren't limited just for the things in the here and now the things of God now on earth, our appetites are for eternal things. We have a bigger vision and a bigger picture as human beings now because of the grace of God in our lives. And a third thing that God has been, you know, just dealing with us and speaking to us about is suffering and trials and tribulations and how we are supposed to react differently than the world. Our actions, you know, the world is watching us. Our actions need to be different than the reactions of the world, how we live our lives. Because people are watching to see if what you and I have is genuine. And that's what happens when we go through trials, is we find out what is the genuineness of our own faith. The scripture says that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. It doesn't say your faith is more precious than gold, it says the trial of your faith. So when you're going through a trial, and if you haven't been through a trial yet, It's on the way, it's coming, don't worry about it. You'll have your chance too. We've all experienced them. But when we go through the trial, that is something that is so precious in the eyes of God. God sees that, that you're staying steady through that trial and that is so precious. It's more valuable to him than anything. That we stay steady and stay on course when we go through the fire and when we go through suffering. Scriptures tell us that the things we go through are momentary light afflictions. And they're working for us, this eternal weight of glory. I shared this with a group this last week. I said, an old pastor friend of mine used to say he would imagine himself when he was going through a trial or an affliction, he would imagine himself as a lion tamer in the cage with the chair and the whip And he he would talk to that trial, he would talk to that affliction, and he would whip it and he would say, work for me, (laughs) work for me, because God promises to use the afflictions to work in our lives, to work good things out in us, to get us detached more and more from this worldly mentality and get us to think more spiritually and get us to agree with him in what his word says. So afflictions are difficult, but they always work out for good in the end for the believer, They will always work something good in our life if we can embrace them. I had a very minor thing happen to me this week. I'm not comparing it to being uh, tested for your faith or anything, but I'm driving down the road. My oldest son was in town from Kansas City. We love to go fishing, our favorite thing. Borrowed a friend's boat. I got new tires on my truck. We're heading down the road, going to a lake we had never fished before. And as I'm going down there, I ran over something in the road, and it was one of those bungee cords, and there was this big metal hook on the end that went right into my tire and started pop, plop, plop around the tire. I knew what had happened. I got out, I looked, I could hear the air coming out of my tire. And I felt this moment of, really, God? Like, I, you know, I couldn't have been an inch over. You couldn't have made that, you know? And I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, why did this have to happen right now? You know, that's our natural reaction. Why me, Lord? And in the next moment, I thought, yeah, you could have, prevented this from happening, but you didn't. And I immediately began to think, there must be a purpose in this. And by the grace of God, I don't always think that way when things happen, but that moment, that's why I'm sharing this one. It's when I reacted properly. But anyway, I thought, I thought yes, God, you know what I'm talking about. So I embraced it and I was okay. I, my son had his phone with him and I said, find out where the nearest... Places that could repair this. And we're in the middle of nowhere, north of Stillwater, heading up north. And he says, there's a place six minutes from here. And okay, let's go. Let's auto repair. So here we go down these roads. All of a sudden, we're on gravel roads. Now, we're getting farther out into the country. And I'm like, oh, boy. Farther away from civilization. And we, we pull into this guy's place, beautiful farmhouse. He's got a pole shed in the back. We pull in. I get out, and I walk up. He's working on a car in his shop out there. And he goes, how can I help you? And I said, you know, my son and I are heading fishing. We're going up to this big marine lake. And I said, I just got new tires on my truck. And I said, I ran over a bungee cord. And he said, let me take a look at it. He comes out there, and he's the happiest guy. He's a 50-year-old guy, I suppose. Happy as could be, smiling, talking, everything. Right away, I go, this guy's a believer. Nobody is this happy (laughs) who's working on cars all day. And then... I heard in the background, KTIS, which is the Christian Icthus radio station. And I'm like, yes. And I said, you're a believer, aren't you? And he goes, yes, I am. And we began to talk, and he began to work on the tire, and he took it off, and he did everything. We had this great time of fellowship. He fixes the tire, and I says, what do I owe you? And he says, no charge. Wow. I said, let me give you something. I got it. And he says, nope. He says, I just had a pleasure. It was my pleasure to talk to you. And now comes the bonus. Okay, that was good enough, right? Now comes the bonus. Here it is. He said, you guys are going up to Big Marine? I had a friend of mine was here yesterday from Big Marine. He said, what you do when you launch at that boat launch, you go straight out to the island, you go east to the weed bed, 14 feet of water, that's where they are. (laughs) Guess who was right? Vince Lutz was right. (laughs) And we went there. Now, how could that be? How can that happen? We were lucky, we were so lucky that that happened. No, it's the providence and the grace and the favor of God that's upon his people. That's how that stuff happens. So it was an amazing time, it was so fun. So whatever your trial, suffering, whatever you're going through, God wants us to get our minds in agreement with what we know our hearts already believe. We know that God is for us. We know that all things work together for good. He wants us to embrace every part of life. We're not trying to be some pie-in-the-sky, you know, positive-thinking group that, you know, nothing gets to us. No, we live in the realities of life and the difficulties of life, but God is with us in it, and he guides us through it, and he always provides for us as we go, and we can trust him for that. If you would, I'd like you to uh, turn to a scripture. Turn to Psalm 91, and let's just, you can camp there. I'm gonna read a few things before I get there. But Psalm 91, I'm just gonna put this down here. What I wanna share today is some things about the power of God. There are different aspects to the power of God. The power of God is what it took for you and I to become Christians. It took a transformative work of the Holy Spirit for us to be saved. We couldn't save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to add to what God has done. We embrace his power. We agree with him by saying we're sinners. He comes into our life, and he completely transforms us for all eternity. And there's a real assurance and security in that. He also gives us power, it says in Acts, to be his witness. In Acts chapter 1, He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power. You will receive power. Some people doubt that. I always ask people, how do you know if you've received the power of God? Well, you have to believe that you received it and then you can act upon it. If you're waiting for something special to take place, you'll never act upon it. Our faith needs to be engaged with what the word says and we say, I believe I have received the power of God. How do you know if you're a bold witness? By opening your mouth and talking. Then you find out, oh, yeah, I can do that. I totally just did that because God said I could. And that's how we live is by faith in what God says has happened to us. So we receive power to witness. We're saved by his grace. And then in 1 Corinthians, you don't turn here if you don't want to. I'll just read these. I was captured here by the number of times the word power was used here. 1 Corinthians 1.17 Paul says, for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. In verse 18, he said, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In verse 24, he says this, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And then in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's talking there about two different things. When he would preach, there was a demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. He doesn't tell us right there what that is, but throughout the book of Acts and throughout Corinthians, things happened when he preached, when he prayed for people. Things happened. There's a demonstration of the power. Now, there are people today, and there may be some here in this room today and watching online that don't believe that those kind of things are for today. I know people are taught that type of theology sometimes where those things it was for that time it was to get the church established originally in the book of acts but once that happened now we have the word of god so we only live by the word of god the problem with that is is that the word of god talks about the gifts of the spirit for the church the power of the spirit in the church There's power that is available to us today, and it's the same power that they talked about back in the New Testament, back in the Old Testament. All through the Bible, you see wherever God showed up, the power of God is being demonstrated. Everywhere he showed up. We see these stories in the Old Testament, and they come to the Red Sea, and there's no way out. It's impossible, and all of a sudden, there's a wall of water on each side. I wonder if you and I would have had enough faith to even walk through that. I mean, can you imagine seeing a wall of water on each side? You still had to believe that God was going to hold it back until you got to the other side. We always live a life by faith. And God has been demonstrating all through history, all through the history of mankind, that when he shows up, there is a dynamic, dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that can do miraculous things. And Paul believed it too, and he saw it. He demonstrated it. When I've talked to so many missionaries from all over the world, wherever they go, Miracles happen. They preach the gospel, miracles happen. Miracles happen without them even praying for people. They'll be preaching a message. Demonic forces will be leaving people in the audience. People will be getting healed in the audience just by simply hearing the truth of the gospel. It's not a man-made thing. I know there's charlatans out there, don't misunderstand me, but I'm telling you, the Word of God talks about the demonstration of the power of the Spirit We hunger for it, I hope you have an appetite for it, because the more we hunger for it, the more we're gonna see it. I don't wanna see a show. I'm not looking for something you know, spectacular to happen because I need to see it. It's a demonstration of God's power that points to Jesus. The whole purpose of it is to get people into the kingdom of God, that's what it's for. They are signs, it's a signpost to point to the Lord that this is the true savior. Those things, the miraculous things, are not happening in other places. They're happening in the church because of the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you believe that today. I hope you pray for the sick when you're around them. Pray for yourself when you need prayer. Ask God to do something, and I guarantee you he will do something. He guarantees he will do something. One more scripture in 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. I know we have some great men, women of God, theologians, and they can sit in libraries and study and help give us deep understanding of the historical facts of Scripture, the understanding of the Greek and the Hebrew. We have people in this congregation that do that for us every Sunday. It's awesome. But we are not living just an intellectual gospel. We are living a living gospel with a living Savior and the living power of the Holy Spirit. It has to have some effect in our everyday life or it means nothing to the world. If we live like the world and claim to be a Christian, what do they see different that would be appealing to them? Nothing. They're like, you get just as... Bummed out as I do about life. Life drags you down just like it does me. You're always negative about everything. Whatever the situation, if we're not living different, believing these promises and hope in our heart, it's not attractive. We're not making Jesus appealing to the world. Now turn with me to Psalm 91, if you would, or if you're already there. Because in these days that we're living, many Christians are Filled with fear that they cannot overcome. They can't get over it. Too much news media, too much social media. All we see is the negative stuff. Negative news is what sells. So that's what we're going to get a diet of from the world. Anything bad that's happening in the world, we're going we're to know about it within seconds on our phone. And when we have a diet of that, that's bigger than our diet on the word of God, we begin to let it control our behavior and it begins to control our actions for the future and our plans for the future. And I'll tell you, when I meet a young person now and they tell me I'm never gonna get married because I wouldn't bring a child into this world, I wanna tell you something. There was people back in the 1970s when my friends were getting married that said the same thing. And I'm telling you as a believer, live your life. Get married, have children, create your own future in Jesus. He will take you through. I'm not saying we may not face trials and tribulation and economic disaster and all that stuff, but we have promises from God. We can't deny the reality of who he is and say, no, I'm just going to cave in and just protect myself now. I need to hoard more money for me now just to get a, make sure I'm d- defended against anything that happens. That's not the way we're to live. I appreciate what our brother said this morning about planting seeds. Now's the time. Plant your seeds. Get your money out there. Help somebody else. Keep it going out there because when you, if, if and when your time comes, guess what? It's all gonna come back for you and the Lord will take care of you in your time of need if you'll help someone else in their time of need. There is a power of God's assurance for those of us that will trust in him. You can be saved and not trusting God. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know this is true. You can be saved by believing that Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're a sinner. You repent. You can believe him and be a par- what I call like a paralyzed Christian your whole life living in fear of the future. And I believe God wants to set us free from that so we can enjoy and live our life in boldness and power and expectation and hope of the future. I believe that's the way God wants us all to live. I'm not critical if somebody, if you are trapped, I have family members that are trapped in fear. They live, they were in fear of germs before the pandemic came. They were obsessive compulsive hand washers before this ever started. They're right at home in this. My brother told me, he said, I've been preparing for this my whole life, you know? He was was already there, you know? But if you wanna live that way, You can. But I'm telling you, there is a freedom in Christ in following and obeying and loving him and an assurance. It gives you a boldness and a joy in life. I hope I seem happy today because I am. I'm happy about Jesus. I'm happy to know that when the world is going crazy out there, I have this anchor in my soul that just keeps me. It keeps me in this good place. And I just go, I don't know how you're going to get us out of this one, Lord, but I know you're going to do it. I don't have all the answers intellectually. I've tried to play some mental gymnastics in my mind to figure things out, and I you know you don't we say with our friends, well, if I ran this country, I'd straighten this thing out in about 3 weeks. You know, I'd have it all ain't going to happen. We need the Lord. He brings us to places in our life where he's all we have. We have to be throwing ourselves upon him and saying, "Lord, I'm trusting you for everything. Do something, Lord." And he does things. He does amazing things. He who dwells in the shelter or the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. If you've ever done the little exercise where you personalize a scripture, today I want you to personalize all of Psalm 91 and make it your own. Wherever it says, I am, I want you to think of your name being put in there. Put your name right in that place. There is a shelter, there is a secret place that God has for people that trust in him. I know in some of the modern homes over the past number of years, they've built rooms in these homes that are called panic rooms. Have you heard about that? It's like a concrete bunker you have built into your home so if somebody breaks into your home, you can go in there and lock the steel door and they cannot harm you and you can call 911 until they come and get them and then you're safe in your panic room. This is better than a panic room because we can be in this all the time. Now sometimes when trouble has come into my life, I run into the panic room and then later when things get back to normal, I run out again. When I feel like I don't need God's help anymore, I go back to what I was doing. And then when the trouble comes, when the finances fail, when the health isn't good anymore, when there's a relationship problem, then I run back into the panic room and I I wanna be in God's shelter, safe in there in that secret place with the Lord. And I realize I'm no different than the children of Israel in the Old Testament. God kept delivering them kept providing for them And then they'd come to the next test and they'd fail. Where are you, God? Moses, why have you brought us here to starve us? What's going on? And then God would show up again, and then yay. And then they'd go back to being natural again. But there's a place where we can live, a sheltered place, a secret place with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords every moment of every day in every part of our life, God not only wants to be with us in the hard times of life; He wants to be with there with the joys of our life too. When you're prospering, when you're doing well, when finances are great, He doesn't want you to forget Him. He wants you to be He wants to be with you in that too, in share in your joy. Joy shared is joy multiplied, and God loves it when you're being blessed. Verse two says, "I will say to the Lord my refuge." and my fortress, you can put your name right there too, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. You can put your name in all those places. In those first two verses, we see four names of God. He's called the Most High, that means God rules over the affairs of man. He's called Almighty. He has complete power over everything. He's called the Lord, means authority, power, master, ruler. And he's called my God because he's a living God. God is alive. Jesus rose from the grave. He's alive today. He's a living God. He's interested in what we're doing and what we're saying and where we're going. Every aspect of our life, he's alive. And that's why we talk to him every day. We used to sing some old song like that, and it had something to do with, I know God's not dead because I I spoke with him this morning. You know, God's alive. Do you know him like that? I hope you do. Do you know him as the almighty, the master? He's over everything on the planet, everything in your life. We need to stay close to him. We abide in the shadow of the almighty. We can't be in a shadow if we're not close to him. We have to stay really close, side by side with the Lord. Verse 3 says, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. Isn't that what we're being told? COVID? It's a deadly pestilence. You maybe know somebody that's passed away from it. But we have this promise here. I'm not saying that God heals every Christian of everything all the time and that you're never going to uh, face war, that you're never going to face pestilence, that you don't know people that died from it, good Christians that died from an infectious disease. I'm not saying that. I'm saying as a general rule, this is, this is God's habitual way of doing and working with his people is that there's this covering. I don't know every individual instance when somebody dies from something or what happens in all these specific situations, but I know this is a general promise to God's people that we can bank on and we can hold it. Hold on to it and believe it. There are sneaky traps set by the fowler. Trying to catch that bird, you know, the fowler goes out and sets these little traps and he's sneaky about it and he'll set up different traps for different birds to try and capture them unknowingly. There's demonic forces out there trying to trap us. There's worldly snares trying to get us. There's things in our own character that are trying to capture us to keep us from God's best, to keep us out of God's will, to cause us to stumble. And I like the way he says it there. He said, for I will deliver you from the snare of the follower. Fowler. So if we even get captured in it, he will deliver us from it. He may protect us from even getting into it, but if we get into it, he will take us out of it. He's guaranteed us this, He's given us this assurance that he will take care of us and protect us. It talks on in verses 6 through 10 about pestilence. For the pestilence that stalks in the darkness... Let me start in verse five. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I've spent a lot of my Christian life talking myself out of some of the promises of God. Because for some reason, some of us, like me, think that we're different or special and that God just really doesn't understand the details of what I'm going through. And so we push aside, we try to, we try to convince ourselves. It's like we're all born skeptics. We're all born doubters when it comes to God's word. We're always trying to say, well, there's a reason this probably isn't gonna happen for me. It may have happened for some guy in another country a long time ago, but right now today this probably isn't gonna happen for me. And the reason, you know, we're born that way, and I think that's the reason we need to be born again, so we can have the Spirit of God to begin to believe these things that seem so incredibly good. We love negative stuff. We need to love the good stuff, too. We need to love the good stuff when God gives us a promise and grab hold of it. No pestilence, no plague. 10,000 are falling all around me. This is how specific God is with his care for people. He can care for one in the middle of 10,000 falling. That's how specific he is and how significant we are to him. He can sustain one in the middle of everybody around him falling. And that one, I wanna believe, is me. And that one is you. And that one is anybody that will believe God and hold on to him during difficult times. The testing of your faith is what he's looking at. Hold on to him, believe those promises. You'll have good friends that will try to talk you out of those promises. Well, you know, you shouldn't shouldn't get too carried away. You know, you read the Bible too much, you know what happens, boop, boop. You know, you go off the deep end. Too much Jesus, you know. Watch out, you pray too much, you know. All lies, okay? You're never going to love Jesus too much. Keep going in that direction. Keep believing. Scholars tell us that possibly David wrote this psalm. Maybe Moses. There's reasons they believe that. Either way, whoever wrote it, I can tell that he was acquainted with real life situations. He's talking about real life things that happen here. He's not, he's not talking metaphorically, he's talking about real life, specific things that come into life that cause problems, that cause suffering, that cause death. There was a guy, I didn't know him, Lord Craven, back in the 15th century, and he was a nobleman, and there was a epidemic that came through England, it was in London. And he was he was a man of wealth. He lived in London, but he had a home out in the country. And when the disease came and was ravishing London, he decided he was going to go out to his country home. And he happened to be a believer. And so as he was having his stagecoach, you know, packaged up and the servants were putting everything on there, and he's getting ready to get away from the chaos and the sickness. As he's walking out of his house, he hears one of his servants in the back just making an off-the-cuff remark. And he says, well, I guess Lord Craven's God lives out in the country because he doesn't think he's living here. And it, it it stuck with him. It was like, what? And it cut him to the core. And he changed his mind because of that statement, and he stayed there. And he began to help and to serve those that were sick and getting the disease, and he served them and served them and helped them. And guess, guess who didn't get the disease? Lord Craven. Isn't that something? He didn't know he wasn't going to get the disease, did he? He didn't know that. But he knew that he could trust God in whatever situation he found himself in, and he stayed there. In 1854, Charles Spurgeon watched as the Asiatic cholera visited England again. He was visiting the sick, he was at the graveside of his friends, church members almost daily. People were falling all around him to the sickness. He got so wrung out helping people that he thought he had it. He was that physically run down. He was sinking, he was burdened of his, in his heart, he was burdened physically. And he was very, very discouraged. And as he was leaving one day after ministering to all these people, he walked by this shoemaker's shop and there was, a, there was this little scripture in the window and it was right out of Psalms, 91 verses nine and 10. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high, who is my refuge, no evil shall, shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. He instantly felt it was a word from God for him. He became calm, he felt the peace of God. He kept on doing what he was doing and he did not catch the disease. Now I'm not saying to you that nobody here is ever gonna get sick or die from an infectious disease but what I'm telling you is that you can live your life without fear with the assurance that God is protecting you and you can do what needs to be done and not worry about what's happening in the world. You can fulfill God's destiny for your life regardless of what's going on in the world. We are to live differently than the unbelievers. We're to be in this world, but we're not of it. Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, he said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Can you imagine if he called that a crooked generation? What are we living in today? We need to run to Jesus Are you and I bringing peace and hope and joy to people around us? Are we exemplifying Christ in our lives? I want to close by just saying this. Keep believing in God and keep resisting fear. It's a real thing. Fear is a real thing. It's a real enemy. Keep resisting it by believing these promises. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. This is the Lord speaking here. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. These are the promises to us who are trusting and believing in God. Verses 14 through 16, Psalm 91. I want you to remember this this world is not our home we're just a passing through my treasures are laid up way beyond the blue the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and i can't feel at home in this world anymore just over in glory land there'll be no dying there the saints all shouting victory, and singing everywhere. I hear the voice of those that's gone on before, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Jesus said if we would abide in him, he would abide in us. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, I will come into him and sup with him, dine with him, and he with me. I know most of you here are probably born again, but I'm asking you today to open your heart to let the Lord Jesus Christ become the Lord of your whole life. Let him give you that assurance that he's going to take care of everything. Have you invited him in? I hope you have. I'm going to ask you to stand with me here if everybody would just stand. And first of all, I'd just like to invite anybody, if you've never given your life to Christ, you've heard the message, you know he died for your sins, you know he's the savior of the world, but you've never said, Lord, I surrender. I just want you to be my Lord and savior. I want to give you an opportunity today to do that. And just start a new life with Jesus. It's the best life there is, being born again in the kingdom of God. If you'd like to receive Jesus today, I'm going to ask you to do something to take a bold step of faith and just step off from where you're at and just come down here to the front and I'm just going to pray with you to receive Jesus. Everyone here is cheering for you. If you want to do that, don't be bashful. Come on forward. Is there anyone? If you're too bashful, see me afterwards and I'll pray with you. For those of you that are believers here today, I just want to encourage you to grab hold of these promises out of Psalm 91. I want you to take time to read it for yourself, interject your name in there, and say, yes, Lord, I trust you, I believe you, I have hope in my future. He wants to give you some calm and assurance in these days. Lord, I just thank you for this body of believers. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here today, everybody watching online. And, Lord, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, you would transform us to be more like you, to believe you more, to step out more, Lord, to be more usable in your kingdom. And, Lord, I ask your richest blessing, Lord, upon everyone that's here. Answer every prayer, Lord, that is being prayed here by this group of people. Keep us safe, Lord. Use us to be a blessing to those that are suffering. And help us to have joy, count it all joy, Lord, when we go through suffering. And Lord, we thank you that you have a place awaiting us in heaven, in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you, thank you all for coming.